This is Jordan from Newfound Glory. Listen to story time with Matthew Haslam Hammond. <laughs> Attention. This podcast will make you happy, make you sad, believe and make you mad, but they're sure to make you feel included. The things they talk about are completely random. It's story time with Matthew Haslam Hammond. Welcome to Storytime with Matthew Hasm Hammond, the podcast where you, the member of the general public, will get up and tell your story. Why? Because everybody has a story. Like always, this podcast is sponsored by the Past Voices Pod. Follow Callum, Jack, Doug and Carl as they discuss basketball because it's there for all your basketballing needs. Uh, today's guest is um, a actor, extra, uh, professional wrestler, entertainer, I should really say, because obviously he's a jack of all trades. Please welcome to the show, JJ Hopwood. So JJ, welcome to the show. How you doing, brother? I'm good. Thank you. It's good to see you. It's been too long. <laughs> it has been a while, hasn't it? Probably about two years or something like that. About that, yeah. yeah. Then again, we see we get to see each other's beautiful faces on Facebook all the time. So you know, so. yeah, and I'm sure you've been tuning into the into the podcast as well. You know, talking crap. So. Yeah, yeah, you, Lucas, and uh, oh, who's the other guy? Is it, um, Josh Porter. Josh Porter. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Some good episodes there, but yeah, yeah, got the got the plug in straight away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all the time in the world to advertise it at the end. Anyway, all, all the way throughout this, you know, it's up to you. At the end of the day, it's your episode. You get to do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> So Josh, uh, well JJ, sorry, uh, where did you actually grow up? I was born and raised in a town called Salford, which is just outside of Manchester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was born there in 1992, and uh, yeah, it was a uh, you know, it was, Salford's fine. You know, Salford's fine, but it's dep- like like in most places in the world, it really depends on where you go. In the last few years, they've really glammed it up. What would the uh, the the media city now be in there? You know, where they film things for the BBC and ITV, etc. Whilst years ago it wasn't really much to brag about. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you have a good upbringing there, or? Um... It was difficult. It was difficult because I was uh, I was bullied at school, you know, which is uh, unfortunately it does happen. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, so fitting in at school wasn't easy. And then uh, my parents divorced when I was about eight years old, so there was a lot pretty much going on at the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, for, there were it wasn't all bad though. I mean, I had some good friends, and there are some great memories that you make from your childhood but uh so it's just uh what you what you what you what you could you just do what you try and do hmm. that's fair enough like sorry to hear about you being bullied um but yeah like now these days obviously you know you do quite a lot of media stuff yourself like you've appeared on the chase uh yeah <laughs> how was that for you that was a great day. That was a really great day. Do you know how long it took me to get on that thing, though? It take it was a long process. I filled out the pop the uh, the application form uh, back in two thousand and fifteen, mm. right? And uh, and it and it, and uh, actually, yeah, it was about two thousand and fifteen. Actually, no, two thousand fourteen. And I and we did the recording for it in two thousand eighteen. Then it came out on television in 2019 so it was a whole four-year process you know what i mean first off you fill in the application form you don't hear for ages then out of nowhere they call you up and give you a little test mm-hmm. then they call you to itv towers you know in uh, in london mm-hmm. to do some sort of like elimination process and then finally even months after that then finally you're, you're given a day to show up and but the day itself was fantastic you know bradley walsh is a lovely guy and uh, here's the thing, though. You only get to see the chaser when they're out on that podium. You don't meet them before or after. Oh, really? Yeah, because it kind of builds the suspense, I, I think, between uh, the players and the chaser. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just really just a giant hologram or, like, you know, <laughs> all along. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> so, uh, like, have you been on any other, like, media formats at all? You know what? I actually have. I actually have. Some of them were intentional. Some of them weren't. Uh, the first time I think I ever appeared on television was back in 2011. I was this is back when I was. This is back when I was uh, working when I was still living in Manchester, you know, Salford. Uh, I was stopped in the middle of the Manchester uh, town centre, right, by a camera crew, and it was it, they were they were asking they were giving asking people for a public analysis, and it it was on the ITV3 show Snog Marry Avoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was presented with a bunch of pictures 
of these monstrosities, you may call them, that kind of thing. And I was having to give a, a public analysis of what I what I thought. And out of all those, they, they, they showed me a few pictures, but one of them did get televised, that kind of thing, you know, on her. Because I remember my friend, I was at college at the time, and I had my friends, I, I received about over 100 notifications on my Facebook that day of, uh, I just saw you on Snug Barrier Void, that kind of, so there was that. I was an extra in a... Uh, in a, t- in, a, in a Channel 4 uh, drama series called uh, Cucumber. This is back in 2000... Uh, I think it was 2015. I think it was, anyway. I was with this extra agency at the time, which didn't really get me much work, but they got me to this thing. And um, we d- I, did, I, did, I did this recording uh, of, a, of a restaurant scene in Manchester. And... I remember watching the actual series itself. I didn't think much of it myself. That was that's just my thing. Not because it was a, not because it was about you know homosexuality and stuff like that. It was just I just wasn't a fan of the storyline that kind of thing. So um, I watched it. And I thought to myself, okay, I, w- I won't have to see that again. <laughs> it came out on DVD the following week. <laughs> so there, there we are. Yeah. And then I've, I've appeared. I've appeared. I've just appeared sporadically. Say if there's a news camera somewhere i've just and they just happen to be there you, they might catch a glimpse of me that kind of thing so some things have been accidental and some of them haven't so been pretty lucky when it comes to it then yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so how long have you been living down uh like down south for i be, I moved down here in 2015 so but so this year it'll be six years i moved i was fresh out of university and uh, at the time, there was no work in Manchester. My sister has lived down in Essex longer than I have. She knew there was a job going for me at the time, so I, I threw my name in the hat and wound up getting the job. So I moved I moved everything from Manchester to here. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy like the whole process of like moving down here? Or, uh... I, it was scary. It was just one of the scariest things I've ever done, but I've been very, very fortunate. I've made some good friends down here. Yeah. So, yeah. Would you, would you change anything about it or... Uh... <laughs> Probably uh, some of the decisions I've made, you know, whilst being down here. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, no. Apart from that, you know, I, you know, I'm fortunate I made the move because it was the move I needed to make. Yeah, it's well, a good thing that you think that way. Like, um, so, uh, <laughs> like, where whereabouts in Essex do you live? I live in Westcliff on Sea, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm actually just a couple of streets away from the South End Town Centre. Ah, oh, fair enough. Yeah, right. I've never actually really been into Westcliff. I've like drove past, drove through it, but never actually been into Westcliff. <laughs> some good, there's some good spots. You know, I mean, I mean, I I've won like the fact that there's a the theatres are here now. Not obviously because of COVID, you know, the theatres are closed. But you know, I, I love all that kind of stuff. You know, the I like I like the entertainment aspect of both mm. Westcliff and Southend. You know, what I mean, the seafront. Uh, you know. The, the theatres, cinemas in town as well, just things like that. You know what I mean? So I've always been into entertainment. Yeah. Would you, are, you like, are you a performer yourself, would you say? I am. Yeah, I have a degree in uh, in perform- in drama from university. Oh, I, I, was in, I was in many plays throughout school, college and uni. I even wrote some of my own stuff at university as hmm. well, so. Like, um, like, have you applied to like being in the uh, like pantomimes or anything like at Christmas time around here? Or uh... well, I, well, not recently. No, obviously with everything being closed, it's hard to do that. Yeah, but I, if there was an opening for something, I would definitely put myself forward for it. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Like then, uh, obviously, as well on top of that, you know, you're a professional wrestler as well. Yes, yes. I remember I re- I've wrestled under a couple of different characters since I've been down here, but the the one I'm currently doing, I wrestle under the name Champagne Shy. That's that's got me the most success so far. So yeah, yeah. It's it's great. It's great fun, you know, pro wrestling, and it's an you know, it's something it's something I'd always been a fan of. You know, of course, so yeah. there's it, there's no point in doing it if you're not a fan of it, in my opinion. That's just that's just me. So yeah, no, that's fair enough. Like, um, I remember like. Um, your first gimmick. I'm not too sure if you were Champagne Charlie at the time. I don't think you were. Uh, but I remember you no. come out with uh, Jordan Saeed as his like. Um, I was Silas. I was. I started off as a manager. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was Silas Sinclair at first, a heel manager. And the only reason I did that was there was two things. There was mm-hmm. two things. Um, 
Okay, I'll tell you the story. Was the story was I was training with this guy at the time called uh, Ben, you know, Ben Doncaster, you know, you was big, big Ben, you know, I don't know if you remember him at all. Yeah, uh, the original idea was we were going to be a monster type and and manager, you know, he was going to be this big monster character, you know, kind of like Kane or the Undertaker, that kind of thing. And but he wasn't good at promos, and he admits this himself. He's not good at promos. Mm-hmm. So uh, because I was, I've always, I was considered to be one of the best on the mic. You know what I mean? I was going to be his manager, and I and we set up everything to get ready, you know. And um, you know, I was I was I was yeah, you know, I got the character ready and all that stuff. But then sadly, you know, Ben became ill, and uh, you know, it you know, kind of ruined his uh, his. Well, he's not really. He's been back to training a couple of times, but it's never been full time back. So, and we still don't know the situation there, that kind of thing. So, I was there ready to go. With, with no client and then they put me with Jordan Jordan Said and Jordan was a good talk was a good talker and a good wrestler already but I think I was put with him as a start because he needed reeling back in a couple of times you know he was doing that whole Saudi you know gimmick that kind of thing mm-hmm. and there were times where he would take it a little bit too far yeah, yeah. I remember us being in Brentwood right we were doing a show we were, we were doing a show in Brentwood we come out and he starts ranting about uh the the army that kind of thing yep. and I remember I and I remember <laughs> and I you were you were there you were there yeah. and when we got <laughs> and, and when I when we got backstage I said to him you're gonna get me killed <laughs> so, yeah they, yeah and eventually you know he did you know grow on his own and uh, they split us up and he's been doing a fabulous you know he's been traveling all over Europe with it and yeah you know, I wish him nothing but best of luck with it all you know he's really he even had a match for progress I think at yeah one he point, did yeah. So. Yeah, uh, I then went on to do a different gimmick. Yeah, I, well, a couple of different gimmicks actually. The next gimmick I did was uh, was taboo, the uh, the uh, the uh, the artist in taboo, mm-hmm. and I put a lot of effort into that. And I really tried to get it over. The problem was, um, you know, I, people didn't like the fact that I was going too over the top with it, and which I get. You know, I get, but I always like to try and push the boundary. You know what I mean? Because it's the most outrageous things that get remembered. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I'll be honest. I was can I can I say pissed off on? Yeah, yeah of course. Like, That's yeah. where you want. I was I was very very pissed off with how I was being booked. Now, wins and losses don't matter in wrestling. I get that, but it came to a point where I was being booked to lose nearly every single time, and it's like I'm trying to build a character here. I'm trying to build momentum. You know what I mean? And you're not you're not giving me anything. You know what I mean? So it just came to a point where. Uh, I, yeah, I was, I was, I was frustrated. I was frustrated, and anyone would be. And um, finally, I remember we did a. I got my first win with that character was in a was a hardcore battle royal, mm-hmm. and I and I did something stupid. I regretted doing it. You know, I was we had there was one girl in the match, and because I was supposed to be the big flamboyant, outrageous character, I gave her a little pat on the behind which i shouldn't have done you know during the match in character yeah and i get called two days later saying we're gonna have to kill the character so uh, so i ended up i was on i was benched for i think um three or four months do you know what i mean yeah whilst developing the new gimmick champagne charlie that kind of thing and i i had to, i ate a lot of shit you know i really did i <laughs> i ate a lot of shit for those for those months and um Something happened, you know, Champagne Charlie came over and it got over with fans. You know, fans really, really liked it. Mm. I just I just remember saying one time, and I, 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 my dear friend Lucas, you know, who does promoting for... Um, we love Lucas, he's been yeah, on one for me. Love him to death, he's fantastic. But I remember there was one time, he wanted me to show up to um, to Brentwood, right? There was, I, and he'll tell you this as well. He wanted me to show up to Brentwood. And but he didn't want me to have a match. He wanted me to come to the ring as if I was going to have a match, and then just get beaten up by someone backstage. Which I got. Which I I, got, I understand why he wanted me to do it. But here's the thing: I was in a place at that time where I was sick of eating shit. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I had a huge go. I had a huge tirade on Facebook saying, "You know, do you know what? I, I've eaten. I've done this." For about a time, you never put me over, yada yada yada, that kind of thing. And I said, I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it. That kind of thing. So, um, 
And I don't know how it got resolved. I think Lucas just brushed it off and he got someone else to do it, that kind of thing. But then eventually, you know, I started getting some matches and getting a few wins here and there. Like I said, I, I didn't I didn't care if I, if I won all the time or not. I just wanted, you know, to try and build some momentum, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And finally, I'm in a good place now where I think I have built momentum because, you know, fans like that character. And I'm now doing commentary on... DKW Demolition, which is on YouTube now as well. So it's it's you know I'm in a, a you know something had to give and it did give, but which I'm which I'm glad at. I'm happy with anyone who's willing to work with me. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah, of course. I, all I, all I ask is for an opportunity you know, when it comes to trying to do something. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Like so, we're, we're like going back to t- Taboo. I remember like when you were developing him, and obviously the special move I think it was was like a reverse DDT. I still do that reverse DDT yeah. now, yeah. So yeah. See, I remember. Um, I remember you like telling us the the, the uh, like the gimmick, and me me and uh, my good friend Callum looked at each other and were like, "So like gold dust," and you were like, "No, it's nothing yeah. like gold dust." <laughs> no, I no, I no, I admitted it was like the gold dust is an inspiration to the character. Here's the thing: everyone gets inspiration from different things, but gold dust, but gold dust was one of the things. Mm-hmm. But there was also a mixture of different things thrown in there as well. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, yeah, I was I was speaking in poetics all the damn time when I was doing taboo, so hmm. which I, I which was difficult to do, by the way. You had, you had a great entrance with that uh, that, that that opera music and uh... Arena, <laughs> but from 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 uh, from Carmen by Bizet. Yeah. So yeah, I remember like. And uh, it was a. I remember people loved you in Brentwood when you were taboo. Like you come out like to it, and like uh, was it Jordan Saeed you fought for the title? It wasn't. It wasn't a title. I never got a title shot as taboo no, or anything like that. So no, but I did. I did face Jordan Saeed at, at Brentwood, but yeah. he it wasn't. It, he wasn't champion at that point. Nah, fair enough. Because yeah, I remember like the, the kids adored you, <laughs> which which was odd because they shouldn't have done. But there we are. <laughs> nah, like. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's, was it, like who was it? Lucas. Yeah, I made one, I made I made one kid cry. I was a uh, I was I was as taboo. I was booked as a heel for mm-hmm. one match with Sam Defray. This was in Hainault, right? And one and as I'm I've I've just smashed uh, Sam's Sam Defray's head into the uh, into the turnbuckle. Yeah, you know, not the turnbuckle, the ring post, right? Mm-hmm. And a kid starts coming up to me and you know shouting at me that kind of thing. So I would the because you know, I'm wearing the face paint, I just like you know shout towards the kid, and it was enough to make it to make you know, to make it burst into tears. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, and then later on, later on, they have, we do the autographs. The afterwards, you know, we sat yep. down on the stage with autographs. The, I'm I'm in the line. The kid hiding behind his mother, you know, crying his eyes out because they were coming into my direction. So, <laughs> man, like, I, I look back at some of the shows in Brentwood. I remember when uh, they even had like Lewis Howley on, who's now signed to NXT UK. And, oh like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's great stuff. When he's like the uh, what's it, the Playboy gimmick, like <laughs> and, uh, that was a great that was a great gimmick. That mm. was a great gimmick. Yeah, it's funny I, they I like saw, little business saw, cards out I'm, for like the females in the crowd. And I thought it was great. You know, <laughs> I saw a match it, with Lewis Howley. This was in uh, in Gillingham, mm-hmm. right? And it was for Brett's company, or Brett who owns World War Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And he was having a match with Bram, you know, Impact Wrestling mm-hmm. star Bram, yeah, who now. Which just works as his, under his normal name, Tommy Latimer, you know, from NWA. Yeah. And it was a good match. There's something that happened that I did not want to see, though. It was a hardcore match, you know, and at one point, uh, Brown gets out this, you know, leather strap and he pulls down the shorts of uh, Howley, you know, the tights, showing his bare ass to the audience and whips him with the, with the strap. And like I said, <laughs> entertaining, but I did not want to see it. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so was it was it Lucas who asked you? Said no, nah, we're killing off Taboo. Then or was it like? Yeah, he called. He called me. I was working. I was doing sales work at the time, and he called me one day whilst I was on a break at work. He called my mobile, and he told me, "Yeah, we're gonna have to kill the gimmick," and that's what happened. So, do you know what happened? Was it like a, a parent? Like, yeah, someone, some, some anonymous person complained, and it take, that's all it takes. It just takes one complaint these days. So. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it does suck. Same time, I would have thought you know uh, support the character. You know, <laughs> should have. You know what? You know what? Yeah, you live and you learn. That's kind of thing. But now, mm. and now, I've got a character which everyone seems to like. So yeah, yeah. 
So, like, um, <laughs> what has been your best memory so far as Champagne Charlie? Uh, my best memory was probably goes down with my best match. I had a match with a guy, uh, Luke, who goes by the name of Honest Ernest Sterling, oh, yeah. and he's a big guy, you know, big big guy. He's bigger than me. He's about, uh, I think he's about six six four, six five, and uh, uh, I, I don't know how much he weighs, but he's just a big guy. And we did this. We, he was really good at working with me. We understood each other quite well. We had great chemistry in the ring, and we wanted to do this thing of you know, the sto- the storytelling is everything when it comes to the match. I think. I'm a big guy, but like I said, he's even bigger. And we wanted to show this the strength difference between the two of us. So he would dominate most of the match. But then finally, out of, uh, out of nowhere towards the end, I would finally get the strength to, to body slam him. And the sound, not only the slam, but the sound from the audience that night when I slammed him as well was, was unbelievable. So that's one, of my, that's one of my best moments, I think. Yeah. So. Man, like... <laughs> We were trying to do like that, that, like the Hogan Andre kind of story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, how do you even get into like you know going down? Like you say, you've come all the way down from Salford to to Essex to Westcliff. How do you even like you know find out? Oh yeah, there's a wrestling school. Uh, it was Ben that told me. Uh, you know Ben, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. What happened was um, when I first arrived in Essex, I was walking around one day and I saw a poster. Uh, for a wrestling show and uh, I just called booked a ticket and went to the show and Ben was in the audience sitting next to me he's going to kill me for telling this story but I'm going to tell it anyway <laughs> what happened was I'm sat next to him and his girlfriend right and uh, Ben's lost a ton of weight you know he's uh, he's doing really well with his diet right now but at the time he was still uh, quite big uh, nothing wrong with that but I'm just saying he was very very big at the time and what happened was uh, some of the wrestlers had we were literally the front row you know at the first you know at the front of the ring and some of the wrestlers were fighting in front of the ring on the outside and someone went to go do a, a, a you know a, a suicide dive yeah you know between the ropes and he goes off the ropes Ben leans back on his chair and his chair gives way <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so we get that. But anyway, yeah, we we saw the match. Anyway, Ben started training not long after that 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 show. And one day, I was I said I wanted to get to training, but I was just I was just so busy at the time. It was stuff. And then finally, one day, it was about about I think ten months later or something like that. Ben finally calls me one day. And he said, "Josh, what are you doing today?" I said, "Nothing." He said, "Get get some gym, get your gym gear together, you know, and meet me at Westcliff Station." I meet him at Westcliff Station. We take the train to Chafford Hundred, right? Mm-hmm. And Lucas, this is the first time I met Lucas. Well, it's not sorry, it's the second time I met Lucas. Picks us up in the car, and we go to the to the gym in Perfleet. And uh, I, it, this is a summer's day, so it's nice and warm, and everyone's out there assembling the ring. So that's how I got roped into it. It's badass. <laughs> like, um, how long did it take you to get your official license to say you're now a professional wrestler? Hmm. I'm just trying to think. It took me about a year before I started managing, at least. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I I developed. I was very good at talking. They they knew that straight away when it came to working on the mic. So and because I was ready for that, you know, they they did they did the managing thing first. After the managing thing came to a halt, it was another. Well, after, well, from managing to wrestling, it took another six to six to eight months I think before I started wrestling you know in, in, in the ring uh, you know first doing Taboo and then as uh, as Champagne Charlotte so yeah all in all you know it took about I would say two years you know before I was, was in a good spot yeah of course man like you know you made it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, obviously a few bumps in the road but you know, at the end of the day, like it's quite cool to see, like you know, obviously somebody all the way from up north wrestle down in Essex and you know have that base. Yeah. There. <laughs> you know, like yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Have you got any more? Uh, have you got any like matches that you uh, you can't wait to do, or like you know, you like any dream matches? Oh, oh, oh I, to be honest, I'm just I just want to have a match. You know, it's been too long now. Yeah. My last match was uh, was nearly a year ago because, and then it was not long after that match that COVID started and everything got shut down. Mm-hmm. But so anyone who's anyone who wants to have a, who wants to have a match, then I welcome it. Do you know what I mean? No, of course, yeah. 
Right, right. Uh, so do you, do you well I don't know what's going on with like drop kicks and like you know the uh, I know they were doing some shows in like lockdown yeah we did we were they were pre-recorded um, hmm. you know uh, de- demolition now this like all these were pre-taped before the current lockdown it was when yeah. lockdown had ended you know the second lockdown had ended that kind of thing so and then, then we did so we, and we were allowed to do some tapings but then you know you know like I said everything was like said, pre-taped so that's what so it is. So we're not breaking any rules. Of course, uh, yeah. Man, like, uh, <laughs> oh, it's one of the things I always regret is like not not actually you know getting in a ring once really. So, uh, so I'm quite envious about it. <laughs> <laughs> once it's the thing. Once you get in the ring, you're addicted. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. So, what you think about is like when when you actually get in a ring, like you don't realize like how high off the ground it is. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I think it's like obviously had the uh, the cheeky photos with like some of the wrestlers at like IPW and thingy shows, and then like it's just there, like how do I get down from here? And when you jump, it's like Jesus Christ, it's bigger than I thought. It's not just the well. Here's the thing though: the the thing I suffer with is actually doing turnbuckle stuff, that kind of thing, yo. Because I'm I'm scared of heights. Okay. That kind of thing. So it's quite difficult. But here's the thing: being a big guy, I don't have to worry about it as much. But still, it would be nice to try and you know break that fear. But I've always been scared of heights. Yeah. So. So, what would you say, like, um, how, how much of yourself do you bring when you come out as Champagne Charlie? Champagne Charlie is based on me from my uni days when I was partying all the time. Yeah. That's what it basically is. What happened was, uh, now, I'm actually uh, three months sober. I had, a, I had a bit of a thing where I was drinking quite a lot due to stress, that kind of thing. I, I'll be the first to admit it. It was a stupid thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, this right here, if you can see, this is a... Uh, alcohol free <laughs> yep so there we are yeah I just want to make that clear uh, but uh, yeah it's champagne Charlie was based on for my is based on me from my uni days when I was partying all the time mm-hmm. Be- um, and my university days were some of the best times ever because it was the first time ever I ever really felt I fitted in elsewhere you know we'd be yeah. popular and all that because I'd never been invited anywhere when I was at school or college that kind of thing you know I mean I, I went to some parties at college but it wasn't the same thing, that kind of thing. First week of university, I got invited to every single party that was going on. So, but yeah, you know, as far as um, what's based on me, uh, the Champagne Charlie character came. This what this is what happened. My dad had said to me years ago, uh, "You want to be a Champagne Charlie?" And what it is a Champagne Charlie is someone who's always partying and trying to look for a good time. That's where it comes from. And so, when it came down to trying to create a new character after the whole taboo fiasco. That's what came to my head. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Like, so um, where whereabouts did you actually go to university? Was it in Salford itself, or actually no, it was in Liverpool. Actually, oh, I went okay. to Liverpool. I went to Liverpool Hope University, and uh, what I loved about Liverpool Hope University was, uh, I like I said, I did a drama degree, and here's the thing: all the creative, um, you know, courses were on just one campus, separated from everything else. Mm-hmm. Right, so all the other, so we were all the creative people were living and working together on one campus, and it was absolutely wonderful. It really was. You know, everyone was great. I mean, I had a problem with one or two people on occasion, but it wasn't some. But but we ended up talking it out, and we'd be friends again. So there was never a, a bad moment whilst I was there. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like, I always like. Um... Remember, uh, me and Lucas discussed it on the episode. I said about uh, with him. I was saying, remember at the time where basically we were learning how to uh, fisherman suplex. And, oh yeah. Uh, um, you were put with me, and uh, <laughs> you were fisherman suplexing me. And obviously, I'm a chunky boy. Like I really am. And I can't remember the guys. I think it's Dante. Uh, his wrestling name. He came out of a chain. Uh, he was a part of like some eroded gimmick I can't remember uh, but he was like teaching the class and he was there he just kept making you do it for some reason I don't know if he was punishing you or what and then it got to the part where you really hurt your shoulder and I felt really bad so I went over and apologised to you and you kind of yeah I remember that I remember that I remember yeah. that. that that was about what was it three years ago now or something yeah or... yeah I remember you yeah. snapping at me, going like, "You didn't take it, Razo." Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, well, I'm sorry about snapping, man. So <laughs> it's all right. The heat of the moment, but yeah. I just, you know, I was just happy that you were okay. You know, you were just icing your shoulders, and you did come yeah, back later on that night as a true warrior. And, yeah. Uh, the worst, the worst thing I've ever happened had happened to me. Uh, here's what happened. I remember um, now. Uh, I, 
my good friend uh, Aiden Simpson, who wrestles on the name of Aiden James or Taylor James or formerly Taylor Essex. I remember he wanted me to. Uh, he was te- he was taking the lesson one day, and he wanted us to uh, take a back suplex, but you know, roll over whilst you're up there and land on your feet. Right mm-hmm. now, I'm using we're using the crash mat, obviously. Here's what happened. I kept saying, I'm not comfortable with doing this. You know what I mean? I'm, I don't really want to do this. But he said, just try it. Just try it. So, tried it. Landed on my head. Okay. So, yeah. There we go. So, I was P.O.'d. I really was. I was absolutely, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Man, one of my favourite times, though, was when um, me and Ian had to do a promo on you and Sam Dufresne. And, um, and you had to do one on us. And I went, I just turned around and went, hey, JJ. You like, yeah. I went, you need a taboo gimmick. He was like, yeah, okay, sweet, all right, awesome. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I went, okay, I've got this, right? Because Ian was like, I need to think of something for like Sam Dufresne. I really do. Like, he's got this tan line. He's just got, just call him Sam Dufresne. He's like, great idea, great idea. <laughs> Comes to it, and then he goes, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> and like, my whole thing was very, just smiling all the time, like just going like this, and people found it hilarious. Just me going. <laughs> And I'll stand for Ian's promo, and Ian just goes, and that bloody tan line to frame. I'm about to face bump, like, it's tan to frame, just, just, not tan line. And then with you, I was there, like, I just took the piss out of the Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah, the Silver Surfer. I got, I got Silver Surfer thrown at me a lot, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. And you, you just turned around to me, and, like, you just applauded me afterwards, like, great use of pop culture. I was like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say the best thing about Taboo I Love was being it was being artistic with the uh, with the face paint because you know, mm. I tried to do a different design every time. And you have no, I I have such a big respect for people who use face paint now in wrestling because it is really difficult, yeah. you know, to get the uh, alignments right on it. You know what I mean? So it really it really really is. Man, it's just as well as like you know it's just that, and then you got it on top of that, like how creative can you be? You know, like. Yeah, exactly. So when you see like Sting, Goldust, like somehow like Sting, he does it all the time and perfects it. You know, it's just mental. Like exactly, and same with Goldust. Yeah. Goldust, like remember times where he come out looking like a golden Darth Maul, but it was beautiful. It really was. Yeah, and um, then the golden like flames and stuff that was mm. going because he shaved his head and then started doing it over it on his head as well. So yeah, I think I think he just had a test of like how creative can I go? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I've enjoyed about doing pro wrestling is every time we've had a special guest seminar. Do you know what I mean? Those mm-hmm. are always fun. And yeah, I've, I've only been to a few myself, but um, uh, I don't know if I should tell this story or not. Uh, I could tell you one, and, uh, and then I'll, like you know, and if you want, you can tell all me. Right, this all one. right, yeah, hit me with yours first, because then I'll see if it's good enough for, you know, for me to expose this. <laughs> me, me, and Taylor uh, were put together. And um, it was uh, Kyle Ashmore, the the hipster dude. Oh, oh yeah, I know him. Yes, doing the yeah. doing the doing the seminar, and um, basically I'm half blind, and like, Aiden said something to me, and I just laughed, and he, he just Kyle Ashmore turned around to me like this massive stern like look at, listen, watch, you're gonna learn something. And I'm just there like I look like I'm laughing because I can't see. I'm just there like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and uh, yeah, I think I might have pissed him off. <laughs> oh. Okay, I'll tell you what happened. Look, this is a story for you. Go on. Okay, we had booked uh, for a seminar in DKW a former WWE former WWE superstar, Rene Dupree. Yep. Right, Rene Dupree, who was famous for La Résistance and the whole you know, French character. Right, we went to uh, we. I was in the car with um, with my friend Nick Harvey, dear friend Nick, and yeah. Ian Frost, as we just said, the Pitbull Ian Frost. We drive to uh, Rayleigh, and we pick him up at, at uh, Oliver Peace's house. He was staying with Oliver Peace whilst he was in the UK. Pick him up. Now, on the way there, on the way there, he's okay. You know what I mean? There's no problems. And he's telling us some, some stories about people he's worked with, etc., etc. That's fine. We do the session. And after we come back from the break from the session, he's look, his eyes are like really, really wide, that kind of thing. He's smiling demonically, and he puts us through this hellacious workout where it's not that we feel like death. 
And then we get into the car afterwards. And the ride home was one of the weirdest <laughs> experiences of my life. He's talking about all those, like, the... Uh, you know, like he said, I fucked Maurice before the Miz did, and I'm being serious. I'm being serious, and he starts talking about you know him perving on Tori Wilson at one point, and going into really graphic details about some of his sexual encounters. It was you know, it's just it was. I mean, I understand locker room talk, but he was going to some like next level shit. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So it's like there's a locker room talk. There's a level. There's a level, do you know what I mean? So it's just, oh god, it was it was the listen. It was one of the most awkward moments of my entire life, and yeah. I've had a lot of awkward moments. So <laughs> it's just funny because, like, for people who don't know who's who doesn't know who Rene du- who doesn't know who Rene Dupree is, uh, Google him in WWE, and then Google him 2020, and you'll just see this guy who looked like you know basically like this French like you know model. And then now he's a, like looks like a demon, like you know, a, uh, you know, a Satan worshiping, like you know. Uh, <laughs> it's the easiest way to put it. Like, you know, I'm not taking any of, his, any of his accomplishments away from him because he was at one point one of the youngest champions ever. I think he was 17 years old when he became a tag team champion mm. or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. something on them lines. He, um, yeah, like he, big respect to the man, you know. And, uh, yeah. Like uh, when you hear about him in the WWE, like uh, apparently he was quite bullied backstage, and uh, Rob Van yeah. Dam felt really bad for him and said, like, just like Rene, stick up for yourself, <laughs> like kind of thing. Yeah. But um, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, <laughs> like yeah, I think think we only really had Kyle Ashmore, uh, who was a guest trainer when I was there. Uh, I think we had someone else, but I can't remember who it was. I think, I think we've definitely. I think we had Kyle Ashmore twice. We were going to get B Priestley, if I can remember, but uh, I don't think it happened wow. again. that would have been cool. Yeah. I remember Jordan Saeed being like, sign me up, sign me up, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's like, it's funny because like, I'd always like, you know, we'd say, I'd always see like um, TJ, um, uh, the rock god guy. Oh yeah, TJ Riff, yeah. That's the one. I'd always see him at like, you know, IPW shows as like a ring crew member. And then yeah, I'd see him at yeah. training and be like It's you <laughs> Yeah, I know and, exactly like, what you mean. He'd always just be so quiet, bless him, like, you know, he's just there like You're right, mate, how you been? Like, yeah, good. So yeah, yeah. Not bad. Saw Joe Lando a few times at IPW, not really nice kid, I like him, he's a good lad. Yeah, he's he's okay, yeah. Mm. Good guy. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, it's been like you know, obviously just being f- fun, like lo- knowing you guys in general. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, you, you, I, I've, I've had a few famous encounters, some from wrestling, some from things from TV, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, you meet some famous people. Uh, I remember, um, because I'm from Manchester. You, but you, you're bound to bump it into some point someone who's worked on Coronation Street. Oh, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. Here's a story that happened. I remember being at college. I went to uh, I went to Pendleton College, which is now just known as Salford City College. There was like a merger between the three colleges in in Salford at that point. Do you know what I mean? So, and they used one of the houses down the street from that college as the character Audrey from Coronation Street's house mm-hmm. because. The character of Audrey doesn't live on the street. She lives further away from it. So what it is, they use one of the houses in this area as her house. They paid the family to use the house, that kind of thing. And I, so I remember coming out of the college one day, and there's all these like big white production trucks there, that kind of thing, you know, catering, dressing room, et cetera, et cetera. And I see the actress, uh, Sue Nichols, who plays Audrey, and she was filming then with her on-screen boyfriend, uh, Lewis, uh, played by Nigel Havers. Now, for those who don't know who Nigel Havers is, he's like a big, you know, uh, you know, classic actor, that kind of thing. He was in Chariots of Fire years ago, which was a big deal at one point. So, yeah, you know, one of those kind of high-class guys. And she was she was lovely. I met, I, met, I went up to her, said I was a fan. She was lovely. You know, she was uh, very sweet. And I was studying drama at the time. And my, my goal is still today is to act, that kind of thing. I've always loved acting. And she said to me, oh, you must meet Nigel then. So he's coming out of the dressing room. And she calls to him, Nigel, Nigel. And he, it's what he does. It's what he does. 
He turns like that, you know, to just look back over his shoulder, takes one look at me, and carries on walking in the opposite direction. <laughs> wow. I just, I just thought to myself, Chariots of Fire can suck my balls anyway. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so out of order. Uh, yeah. Some people are just born dickheads. Yeah. Did, did Audrey say anything to you afterwards? Not really. She found it quite awkward, actually. I could tell by the look on her face. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I just, I said, I just simply said to her, "Thank you very much," and that was it. So yeah. <laughs> I could tell she, she's one of the people like you could look at, feel like she, she'd actually be a really nice person. She is really, really posh as well. Actually, you know, mm. I mean, she has this very classy accent. So I've always been told, like. Um, Ken Barlow, he's a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> I've I've heard I've heard rumours, but I don't know. I've never met him. Hmm. I had a friend at college. His name is uh, he's, I still well, I still have a, I say had a friend. I still have a friend. I've just not we've not seen each other for quite a long time. A guy called Dominic Holmes, right? And he's appeared on Coronation Street as a proper character. Now the guy who plays Daniel Barlow in Coronation Street now is not the first actor to play him. You know what I mean? There's been like younger versions of him. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in the past, you know, over the years, one of them was my friend Dominic. That kind of thing. So there we are. They, yeah, but yeah, no. Because I remember, like, um, someone I know went to like a charity thing, and all the Coronation Street stars were there, and they were happy to have pictures with everyone, apart from Ken Barlow, who was just there. Like, you could take a picture of me, but you can't have one with me. Oh, some people. Yeah. So you just kind of like lose respect. They're like, come on, man, that guy, <laughs> they pay for your bills. <laughs> I mean, I, and like I said, I've also met like you know, uh, Bradley Walsh, as I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Nice guy. Um, just trying to think. You know, um, you know, it, yeah, yeah, those are the main ones, mostly just you know, soap star actors and some TV presenters, etc. Well, Bradley Walsh is also on Coronation Street. So. Well, he was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Doctor Who, but there we are. Yeah, yeah. true, true. Yeah, there's one famous person I have met, but it's not something to brag about these days. Due to it, it, it was someone who ended up being being outed as uh, as a you know, disgusting individual. Go, tell the story. Why not? Okay, when I was a kid, when I was six years old, my oh, sister. Oh this sounds horrible already. <laughs> yeah, my sister. My no, my sister had this hamster, right? Mm-hmm. This this pet hamster. And uh, it was ill at the time, so we decided to, it was decided to take it to the vets, right? The vets in Manchester is was, was the RSPCA, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the big show that was going on at the time about animals at the RSPCA... You know where this is going, don't you? Animal Hospital! Animal Hospital, yes. Animal Hospital was filming in Manchester at the time. And who was there? Rolf, Rolf Harris, yeah. <laughs> and like I said, now, like I said, nowadays it's a terrible thing. But back then, nobody knew. He, he didn't. He didn't go give off any indicators there, obviously, because obviously he's surrounded by people. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But he didn't give off any. I mean, when I met him, he was, he was, he was, he was okay. But had I known at the time, I probably would have punched him in the dick. But uh, yeah, there we you go. You might have got a kick out of that, mate. A six-year-old punch him in the dick. <laughs> yeah, but you no, know, but still, yeah, it was just. Um, but I guess you know it, it happened, you know, and that there we are. So you wanted stories. That's a story. So true. Tell us, tell us about university. Tell us some stories about it from there, if you can remember. Oh, oh God, no! Oh shit! Oh, university stories. One or two of those university stories probably ends up with me being naked at one point. But uh, well, you said it now. <laughs> and there's yeah. grass on pitch. Play ball, my friend. Okay, okay. Uh, first, first year of university, right? Now, first year is usually a breeze. You know what I mean? It's just partying most of the time. And I got invited to this birthday party on the campus. And uh, one of the girls is celebrating a birthday, and halfway through, halfway through the birthday party, now I'm, I was only, I had, I had only started drinking at the time. I was twenty years old, and being serious, I, I, I not drink, drank that much before. Mm. You know what I mean? So, and so halfway through the uh, the, 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 uh, the party, uh, one of the one of the guys comes in, you know, dressed up as you know, in the whole. 
policeman's hat thing, he starts doing the full Monty for the uh, for the for the birthday girl, right? After he's done, one of the girls looks in my direction and says, "Josh, it's your turn." And I went, I'm, "I'm drunk as fuck at this point," so I went, "Fuck it," and that's what happened. Yeah, I ended up uh, like you know full Monty. It was it, oh, it's embarrassing, but you know what I mean. You know, I was young and stupid. You know what I mean. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I never went to university myself. Um, I went straight to work at sixteen, and uh, Jesus, yeah. Then uh, basically went, got to eighteen, just went out and party from there. <laughs> one of my finest, one of my fa- favorite moments of university. I mean, there was a lot of great moments, but my favorite moment is this. Um, now, at the university, w- once every term, they used to have these formal dinners. You know what I mean? With all of us in, you know, in in, in um. You know, in suits and evening gowns, that kind of thing, and it was it was mostly just something for the that the deans did. You know what I mean? That you'd have, you'd have the deans and the directors of the university you know, at, the, at the big table. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there'd be these speeches, these boring speeches of what a great term it's been. Oh, what you know, all you know, you know what I mean? All the all the pomp and circumstance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, after the dinner was over, we'd all still be in our dressed up stuff but i remember one time i remember getting back to my flat and I, I just took my jacket off and then i got a text saying josh come down to the uh to the washroom what is there was a washroom on the cap on the campus right where you know washing machines and dryers etc and everyone was partying in there we all got in there and we played the music all the way into the night you know i, I remember all of us just singing the killers you know uh mr Brightside off mm. the top of our heads while some of those some of us are sat on these washers and dryers and we're all just ch- but not only are we playing music we're also chatting and just having fun it was it was a great it was a great moment you know uh being with all those people at that time it was one of the, one of those best moments yeah. so it sounds like you know as soon as when that song comes on mr Brightside. I defy anyone. I defy yeah. anyone when that song comes on at a party to try and not sing it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I think even it's... people who probably hate the Killers might even like that song. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. quite hard to hate the Killers. My dad actually likes the Killers. But here's the thing: my dad is not really into contemporary music at all. <laughs> here's what happened. Here's what happened. This is about um, going back about. Um, five or six years I think yep. uh, actually no even longer than that I think about seven or eight years my dad calls me one day and he said Josh do you know who the killers are I said yeah dad I know who the killers are you know they were in, big in the charts you know while I was at school he said oh I've just, just found out who they are they're fantastic like I said this is my father I'm talking about the man who who's la- who's who only listens to things like uh, Elgar and Choplin that kind of thing you know what I mean so yeah my dad I like classical music as well but my dad my dad only listens, ever listens to classical FM when he's like in his car, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> so the fact that my dad likes something like The Killers yeah. was a shock to me. Yeah. yeah. Dad, you sold out, you become mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, the, the, the reason why he likes The Killers, it's not just because of the music. The music's great, but he's a big fan of Brandon Flowers. He likes how Brandon Flowers lives his life, you know what I mean? You know, you know free from sex, sex, drugs and rock and roll, that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. He is, he is a cool fellow, old Brandon Flowers. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I've I've seen the Killers twice. I think I'm trying to think. It's twice or three times, but I would I would I would kill to see them live. I've never seen them live. I so. see what you did there. You'd kill to see the Killers. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, no, uh, I've been quite fortunate. Uh, like, I think one of them was at V Festival, and the other one was at the O2 Arena. The one at the O2 Arena was really surreal because. Um, before, like you know, they even really kicked off the gig. They played. Yeah. They played Mr. Brightside first song, right? All the lights on and everything, well, and it was really surreal. But I think they were like, "Let's get this song out of the way, then we can go on to our gig." So they did it, and then like all the lights went out. Then the gig started. It was like, <laughs> why? Yeah, yeah. It was a bit weird. Is that like? Was that no? Uh, no, yeah, I've seen. I would have left that song for the last, actually, because that's the mo- that's the most famous one, I think, isn't it? From, I, think I mean, the Killers have had a lot of great songs, but I think that one is the one that everyone remembers the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one, uh, "Smile Like You Mean," it was big at the time. But I think, yeah, Mr. Brightside is he. Somebody I told love me the, it was the album. First one, I, I love really. the I love the album they did called Samstown because there were oh, some great, great songs on that. You know what I mean? Uh, when you were young. 
Bones, Read My Mind. Those, those, those are some really underrated songs, mm. I think. So My favourite song on that one was... Um, it wasn't Read My Mind. It was For Reasons Unknown. Uh, for Reasons Unknown, yeah. It's just at the end when you can hear him get so passionate again. But my heart, it don't beat, it don't, it don't beat, beat the, way the way they used to. to. Yeah, when so my yeah, eyes yeah. recognize you no more. You know, you just said uh, yeah. how passionate this one guy is getting about this song. Like, yeah. It's just like, you know... Uh, it gets you know obviously the course for reasons unknown. I love what I love the song Bones and I love the music video of Bones because well, uh, it gives you it gives a nod to the old movies that sure. kind of thing. You see some of the old classic movies. Here's me, I love watching old films. Mm. I, I I always have. I have a you know it's my my taste in films is ridiculous. You know what I mean it really is so. Yeah. Um, I like those old Universal monster movies, that kind of thing, you know, like yeah. Dracula, Frankenstein, and one of the one of the films they show in that in that uh, film, yeah, in that music video of Bones, is the creature from the Black Lagoon. You look back at it now, you realise how awful things were at the time, <laughs> but I liked it. You know, what I mean, it was it was great, and isn't it? It's focusing on the product as well, the acting rather than just the effects all the time. Hmm. So, <laughs> no, they're great. I love the killers. Um... What other, what other music are you into then? Um, I have a huge mixture. Like I said, I'm, I've always been a fan of classical music because mm. otherwise I, I wouldn't have used opera, I think, you know, when I was taboo. Of course, you know yeah. What I mean? So, yeah, I've always liked opera, classical music. I'm a big fan of, uh, like, 1980s hair bands as well. You know, I mm. like, I'm a big fan of things like Kiss and uh, I love Aerosmith. Love Aerosmith. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, big fan of Queen. Pardon? No, I've always always wanted to though. Huge Queen fan mm-hmm. though as well. You know, Queen is probably the best of all time. Yeah, agreed. I've uh, seen I've seen Aerosmith and Queen. So I mean, I've seen Aerosmith once. Queen, yeah. I've seen about probably six times, five times. I don't know. But, yeah, I meant to see yeah. them again last year, but it didn't happen. So this year, yeah. but I can't see it happening again. Fan of David, big but David Bowie fan as well and yeah. Kate Bush actually as well for those who don't know who Kate Bush is you know Babushka. shame on you she's, she's yeah she's fabulous absolutely fabulous you know what I mean so uh, be a big fan of all those kind of uh, alternative kind of uh, bands and uh, music do you know what I mean so hmm. oh, that's cool uh, and you love uh, old school horror movies <laughs> yes yes indeed old school horror movies I'm a big fan of comedy as well love yeah. comedies yeah, one of my favourite comedies of all time is Eddie, the early stuff of Eddie Murphy. You know, things like Trading Places, Coming to America, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Do you kind of think to yourself, you know what? I grew up in the wrong era. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've always thought that. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say like when you touch on all these like old old movies and the you know this music, and uh, obviously you got the the Ric Flair hair going and like you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the because well, of the colour, they think it's more regal esque, you know, regal William Regal hair, really. So yeah. Well, you know, you can always you know go bleach it, but <laughs> yeah, it's up to you, really, isn't it? You know. <laughs> there we are. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's been great having you on. Thank you. I hope you've had a good time. Uh, well, let's do it again sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I want it one next time in full champagne Charlie character. Absolutely. Round round two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, JJ, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks, on. Matthew. That's Take right. care. Always remember, Bye. I'm Matthew Hasam Hammond. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>